I would like to get into the gold dust business, though, eventually. I just want to go on the record <laughs> saying that. I heard there's a lot of money. Hey, podcast listener. Even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Yeah, buddy. Happy Thursday morning. It's the Tropical MBA Podcast. Today, I'm joined from the other side of the globe, the boss man in Austin, Texas. Welcome to the show, good man. Thanks for having me. What is good man? Good man. You're not even a good man. Says who? <laughs> the CEO, yeah. Today, boss man, we've been challenged. A lot of fans of the show, people who've maybe used the show as part of their inspiration to grow a micro-multinational business a lifestyle business, to start traveling the world, to go location independent. They like to pass the show on to others. But there's 260 episodes. So what's the best episode to give to your friends, your family, your loved ones, brick and mortar business people, people that don't like their consulting gigs? What's the best episode? Well, we generally have a list that we give them. <laughs> I think a couple of them. I think we generally say Seth Godin Startup School. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> not even our podcast. Seth Godin Startup School is probably the place to start. But, you know, I thought it would be an interesting challenge for us to go back and to create a series for people to send to people, to create a five-part series. Because, you know, over the history, this show has been a show of fives, right? We get on the podcast. We list out five points that buttress our point or five stories five tips. Why don't we create a five-part series that people can download and get a sort of a, an overall sense for what we're doing here in the location-independent community? That's right. And if we fail, we'll just continue to send people towards Seth Godin Startup School. No big <laughs> That's deal. Exactly, that's exactly right. So the first part of our series, Boss Man, is going to be called How to Make Your First $1,000 online. All the show notes are going to be located at tropicalmba.com slash 1k online. But before we get into that, I think it makes sense in the first part of this series to kind of refactor our history and talk about what it means for us to be a part of this location independent business community. So first things first, we've been doing this for five years. We've got 260 episodes that's a whole lot. A lot of things have changed for us personally. When I got started with this podcast, I definitely had 10K in credit card debt, maybe a little extra. I'm not sure, but I do remember the day when I hit the payment button on that 10K in credit card debt. So if you do get crazy and want to go back and listen to all these shows, you're going to hear us progress from guys who had very difficult time affording a plane ticket to guys who seem to can't get off airplanes. That's, I'd say that's pretty accurate, Dan. An another move that's happened is, you know, we went from in the beginning of this show to going to meetups in San Diego where we started our business, you know, maybe meeting a few real estate agents, maybe not, you know, just wasn't that much of a scene to now having close to 1000 location independent entrepreneurs in our community alone, the dynamite circle. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, this movement globally is exploding. And we've kind of just seen it happen. We've been sort of mixed up in the wave. And it's just been a crazy ride, I think, globally with it's getting easier to create an online business. It's getting easier to manage a traditional business virtually. It's getting easier to grow distributed teams, you know, not just people that are sitting in an office somewhere, but people that are all around the globe. And all these things have sort of been happening since we started this show back in 2009. 
Have we stopped working so hard, Dan? Back in 2009, we were working pretty hard. Are you working as hard? I mean, a lot of people get into this game because they want to chill out. You know, they're sick of the idea of working and they want passive income and they want to check their bank account in the morning and drink Mai Tais on the beach. That's not the success traits that I'm seeing, you know, and <laughs> we're still working hard. Uh, we love what we do. And I think that's the whole concept of this lifestyle business is that you build a business that does things that, you know, bring value to you in the world. And so you want to work on it. So no, I don't see myself retiring anytime soon. To me, it's a true pleasure to build an organization that you want to work on. You know, that's that's something that I want to do in my life. I don't I like to work. If you find me a happy person, I'll find you a person with a project. That's right, man. I believe that since I was about maybe 10 years old, I think, too. The value of commerce though because when I grew up, I we didn't have this concept of lifestyle business. I thought Rich people were getting money from other people by exploiting other people. This is a classic sort of mindset that I was taught, especially in the university system. You know, you read all the theorists of the 20th century and it's all about labor and capital and all these things. Well, you know, commerce doesn't need to be like that. It can be mutually beneficial. It can be win-win. And I think that that's part of what we're seeing in our community is this abundance mindset. Like you can do things that are great for people and they're happy to pay you for it. And like it's a net positive in the world. And so I think that that's a, a real opportunity and one that I'm attracted to personally. You know, I don't want to run a silver mine necessarily. Not that I think that's a bad thing. But I love the idea of being able to build something like this podcast or like our cat furniture or valet podiums and something that we're proud of and say, hey, this is valuable. We did this work for you. How about you exchange some value so that you don't have to go and do it yourself? I would like to get into the gold dust business though eventually. I just want to go on the record <laughs> saying that I heard there's a lot of money. Anyways, maybe that's a future investment. You can download this whole series at our website, tropicalmba.com. Let's get into the five key tenets of our business mindset before we get into how to make your first 1K online. First off, we believe that the path to stability and comfort does not come from a job, an organization, or a government. It comes from being agile, being flexible, and taking that responsibility on yourself rather than outsourcing it to somebody else who promises it to you. That's right, Dan. I think one of the biggest shifts that's happened in our lifetime, in our parents' lifetime, is that there's no guarantees, right? Absolutely. There's nothing guaranteed in a job anymore. And so if you really want financial security, if you really want stability, you have to create it for yourself. And I think the best way to create it for yourself is to create a business that provides you leverage and that provides you opportunity and that ultimately provides you with long-term value and wealth. One of the things I love about our businesses, Ian, is that we interact primarily with other small businesses. And that to me is really satisfying, like that client profile. Recently, I collaborated with a big corporation on a project. So I'll just dish a little gossip while we're at it. Just a little bit. One of the interesting things about working with them was how like they couldn't quite keep their promises and they couldn't quite say the truth. And it wasn't their fault. They're not bad people. It's just that these giant corporations, like they say something to you like, hey, 50 years gold watch. Can you really expect an organization to keep its promise? I mean, organizations kick out their founders all the time. So how can they keep their promises to uh, you, know, you as an employee or you as a customer? So I think that that's just an interesting, I hadn't been in that situation for a while, you know, dealing with a big corporation like that. And I was just kind of like, I guess I've been so spoiled, you know, dealing with small entrepreneurs and saying what's real and stuff like that. And, and just to be jerked around like that, it reminded me like these people, you know, they're not in the game to make sure that the rest of your life is safe. 
it's a good point, Dan. And it's something that you got to think about when you start your business too, which is like, what are the kinds of people that you want to be working with? And so if you design your business to interact with corporations, like you're going to be dealing with like the VP, Mr. 26 foot long boat <laughs> goes out on the water on the weekends. You know, I mean, is, are those the kind of people that you want to be hanging out with? Yeah. And this guy doesn't speak for the corporation. So he doesn't have the final say, but he's going to say a lot to you. That's the point that I was getting at. And that's really frustrating for me. Number two, we believe that developing small, agile, high growth assets is the path to true wealth. In other words, like, you know, a lot of times on the show, we'll advocate somebody, you know, sell all their crap and move to Thailand or move back in with their parents or get a bartending gig and focus on the skill set. Well, when we say that, we don't think that that means you should, you know, be happy with making no money or whatever. We actually believe that that's the path to developing wealth. You know, one of the things that you mentioned to me, boss man, is that one of the most common buyer profile of medium-sized small businesses are people that had corporate gigs their whole lives. Some of the words, people that went to the right school, they get the right job, they put up with all that bull crap that we just talked about earlier for 30 years or whatever, they get to be 50, 60, and then they start to look for these high-growth small businesses to invest in because they need a source of income, a solid investment for their retirement years. Well, that just to me sounds like a slow road to China. I mean, if that's the result that you want, why don't you start there at the beginning? And by the way, you don't have to put up with a bunch of crap if you start building a business that you're passionate about from day one. Yeah, you might have to maybe be a bartender for a little while or you might have to suck it up and eat rice and beans for a few years and go through some difficult processes like growth pains and cold calls and you know, you're going to have to take responsibility. But you don't have to prostitute your values, so to speak. You don't have to work for other people. You can decide what you want your business to deliver, what wealth looks like to you. Maybe that's a little bit less cash and a little bit more time with your family, a little bit less to the bottom line and a little bit more world travel. Yeah. And that's a decision that you can make much earlier in the ballgame and still develop wealth over time. You know, we believe in multi-currencies. So this world is not just about money. You know, we believe in the currency of travel. We believe in the currency of relationships, resources, right? All these things don't just add up to money. And I think that that's something that we really want to stress is that we don't optimize our business for cash. We definitely would like to make cash as much as possible. But if there does become a time where maybe you don't want as much cash so you can get a little bit more lifestyle. And so we value that. Uh, point number three is just to underline this whole thing. We are fanatics about owning our own time. And we believe that that's our most valuable resource. So, you know, to that point, Ian, it's not like we optimize our time so that we can sit around on beaches necessarily. Now, it might be riding motorbikes or riding dirt bikes in your case. But the real thing there is, I think, doing things that you're excited about. I think that that's one of the most fantastic things about this lifestyle business movement is, you know, we literally sit down with each other and we say on a regular basis, like, is this exciting you? Like, is this something that you want to be doing? Is this the business that you want to own? And those are the types of calls that we get to make on a day-to-day basis. And that, to me, is about managing your time. And we're fanatics about that. I mean, I'd rather have less cash and own that time and maybe be just making a little bit of money. And that's, I think, the greatest investment that we can make is in our own time. Yeah, and we're making some generalizations here, Dan, but I think to just paint a profile on this poor guy, the VP of product development at Oracle with the 26-foot-long <laughs> boat that goes down to Margaritaville every summer, that's not our people necessarily. You know, Our people design a life that's congruent. When I say congruent, Dan, Seth Godin, he told this great story. I'm paraphrasing here, but he was in like Hawaii working on his laptop. A couple walks by and says, isn't it tragic that this guy's like working on his laptop while he's down in Hawaii? 
And Seth said something like, isn't it tragic that you have to escape from your work and go on this vacation? And that's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, and if the the 26-foot yacht guy is heading down to the Bahamas, wants to give me a call, I don't agree with what Ian just said there. I'm totally your people. Give me a ring. (laughs) Number four, we demand to be located wherever we want to be, whenever we want to be. Location independence, you know, that fundamental desire to explore the world while you go about building wealth is something that's always been at the heart of this, you know. It's more than just a hook, you know. It's more than just a like, hey, I want to travel or whatever. I mean, I think that there's something really fundamental to the human spirit there about wanting to explore the world. You know, when you look at a traditional career path, it kind of just thwarts that. And it does put you into that position where you've got two or three weeks a year. That was a real tragedy for me when I was sitting in the cubicles back in, in San Diego. That's just something that we're not going to make a requirement for these businesses that we're growing going forward. And finally, number five, we've unplugged from the real world and invested in our own. You know, one of the things that was really impressive to me when I returned to the United States just a few weeks ago was if you don't have like a strong idea of what you ought to be concerned in or what you're focused on in your life, there are tons of people out there willing to give you the version of the world that they think you should care about. And I think specifically I'm talking about, you know, not only friends and family and relatives and stuff, but I'm talking about media. And the kind of obsession that American media in particular, and this is, this is a worldwide thing, they have on a certain kind of line about like what you should care about. Like you should care about this album that came out. You should care about this war in this place. You should care about like these few hundred people who got sick with this disease. And like if you don't have a clear idea of what you're doing with your life, you know, that's going to be the alternative. That's what's there. And it's there every day. And it's pretty overwhelming. And I think one of the reasons that inspired me so much to start this podcast and why podcasts were so huge to me is they represent this alternative media source. And they say, you know what? Like there are tons of other things in life that are important, you know? And one of them is like your economic and financial future. Like one of them is like your desire to explore that world firsthand and like not by some journalist who's out there like telling you what you should care about, but why don't you go there and figure out what you care about? There are people on independent media that are doing those things, making those journeys and you can seek them out and follow them rather than sort of taking it at face value, what everybody feels like ought to be of value in your life. And who are these people anyway? When you you start to meet these journalists, it's like the glass castle starts to fall down pretty quick. You know, it's like certainly your best interests aren't what's in their mind, right? I mean, they're thinking about maybe getting attention for their website and getting the most click-throughs or impressing their donors or impressing their boss. They're not thinking about you, potential entrepreneur in California, uh, what you want to do with your life. And so I think it's really important the kinds of influences that you surround yourself with. Was that too ranty for you? No, I follow you. One of the only podcasts that I've ever been on was JLD's podcast. And I said, you owe it to yourself to think about your life and your trajectory for at least 15 minutes a week. And I think most of the people that understand the Tropical MBA, most of the people that listen to the program, they get that. They're willing to invest in their future. They're not going to jobs every day and doing what they're told and only taking these kinds of things at face value, right? They're not listening to the media. They're not just subscribing to whatever they read. They're making their own judgments and they have their own values about the way that things should be. And I think that that's our audience. And I think that that's who we speak to, Dan. All right, boss man. So one final thing before we get into the first part of our five-part series, we've also challenged ourselves to select our top five episodes from the archives. If you're interested in getting started with this show, 
done this a few times in the past, but I've gotten some more feedback from people that are really big in the show. And they're like, you know what? This one has a really big impact on people. We'll link to those at this episode, tropicalmba.com slash 1K online. And you'll also be able to find this whole series at the website. So let me just make an assumption here, boss man, to get started. If you're looking to make your first 1K online, we're probably talking about you launching a service, right? Not a product. And that makes sense, right? Because if you're gonna launch a product, you're gonna need a lot more money to invest. And let's just equate your your time with your money, right? Like there's a lot of people that are fresh out the kitchen and they like say they start a blog about some random crap or whatever, or they get into affiliate marketing. And like these things take like six months to a year to two years to like figure out what's going on. And that to me is like just way too long without validation. So in other words, if you don't have like business experience or money, to invest, and again, I don't think it makes sense to invest like two years in developing a product. So you should start with a service, in other words, if you're at scratch. Totally. So our story is a little bit different and we're going to go into our story. But I think here's the idea. If you're looking to make your first $1,000 online, we're going to make an assumption that you already have a skill set, right? So you're a designer, you're an engineer, you're somebody, right? That's had some experience, maybe in the job market for a couple of years and you have a discrete skill set. A skill set that people are willing to pay for. That's the critical thing. Correct. People value. So Derek Sivers, our friend, says money is just an objective marker of value in the universe. And if you're going to become an entrepreneur, you need to get comfortable with that, right? You know, just because you think that your blog post is really valuable or you think that your art is really great, you know, you're really going to find out what other people think about it if you put a price tag on it, you know? Oh, do you really like my blog post? Would you be willing to pay me $5 to write the next one? And it's like money where your mouth is kind of thing. And this is a critical mindset shift that you have to make in the entrepreneurial world is you have to be willing to do things that others truly value. Right. So you're a person right now, Dan, if I'm painting this picture, you're a designer, you've figured out a way to get a job and you've had that job for three years and you can go get another job in the same town that you live in and maybe make a couple more dollars per year, right? Because you move jobs and that's how you get a raise when you're a jobber, right? Is you move jobs traditionally. So you're comfortable in your skill set and you're semi-comfortable selling yourself into another job. What you're not comfortable in is selling yourself outside of the traditional system. Absolutely. So, you know, I think if you don't have a skill set, don't undersell yourself because you've already sold yourself on one job, on one employer. So you could go out and get an apprenticeship. I mean, that's something that we talk about. So if you don't feel like you have that skill set yet, that you can go out and put your shingle out and become sell a service based on that skill set, like I'm going to become a graphic designer or I'm going to become a content marketer if you're a writer or whatever, then you could go out and find somebody that you want to emulate and pitch them a job. I mean, that's really the next level is building yourself a job rather than applying for jobs. Now, we'll get to this in the further in the series, but a lot of entrepreneurs will claim, well, hey, I built myself a job, <laughs> you know, but it's actually a good sign, right? If you're able to build yourself a job, that represents a step on the entrepreneurial ladder. Yeah. And I think mentally, Dan, this is really the hardest point, right? Because you're comfortable selling yourself into a job, but a lot of people, they're just not so confident in selling themselves out of that system, 
right? So it's like, I think in a lot of ways, like making your first thousand or making even your first dollar, just asking someone to pay you for your skill outside of a job. I mean, there's like a million mental barriers that I can think of for myself first starting off that I would be uneasy about there. There's not this blanket of stability there. There's not this institution. And so I feel like in a lot of ways, Dan, if you can make your first thousand dollars, or even if you can make your first one dollar, it's like the proof that you have the confidence to go out and ask someone for money. I mean, that's just huge. And I think we really undervalue that. So being able to go out and say, will you give me money for my skill set? Like if I sit up in my home office, will you pay me money? There's a huge barrier there for people. And I think getting over that mentally, figuring out whatever your hangups might be to overcome that is very important. All right. So this show we said is a show of five. So we're going to go over five points about how to make your first 1K online. The first one is really a mindset point, which is for me, 1K is actually worth 5K. 1K a month is worth 5K a month. And this was, again, the five theme comes up. This was a really critical mindset thing for me. You know, I would be willing to take $20,000 in annual location independent income over 100K of job income. And I think at some point you really got to believe it because it's, it's harder to make entrepreneurial income at the beginning, especially if you're in a path that everything's defined for you. You're applying for jobs. People are paying you money. You're getting company picnics. Everything's great. You got vacation paid for. You're hanging out in the Bahamas two times. It's hard. You could stroll down to the old uh, Bass Pro Shop parking lot, pick yourself out a 26-footer. No problem, man. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I saw people in the forum today, you know, say, you know, I lost three clients. I lost 75% of my income overnight. You know, that's real. You know, this stuff isn't easy. And, and this is the first point because this is really where almost everybody stops. This is the mindset moment where everybody stops. Do you really believe that entrepreneurial income is more valuable than income you're getting from gigs, from jobs? Because if it's just a nice thing, it's just a thing that you want and that you think is pretty cool, it might not happen for you. I mean, sometimes it's about putting your back up against the wall. Some people don't want it enough. You know, this process can take years. It can seem simple. We're going to list out five easy tips to get to your first 1,000. But honestly, boss man, I can see people taking years to do this. And certainly for me, it was a multi-year process to understanding how this works. I wrote about it in the thousand day rule on our blog. We'll link to you know all this stuff on this blog post. But I, I think that that's the first thing I just want to underline is like thinking about things like, okay, yeah, you know, it makes sense that location independent income is more valuable than, you know, not all of cash is created equal. Like cash coming from a real estate asset is more valuable to me than cash coming from a client that I have to deliver stuff for every month, you know? All income is not created equally. Do you believe that enough to make the sacrifice in income and to fight for it? Right, and I think most of the people in our community would say yes. They see the other side of it. All right, so the second step to making your first $1,000 online is we'll just deliver the good news is that you don't need to have a good idea. This is perhaps the biggest sticking point, you know, when you talk to people that, okay, they believe it. They're willing to work. They want to get into the game. You're going to hear a couple things. First off, you're going to hear their designers or their developers. They're good at what they do. So they're going to list for you like people that are already doing stuff. This development company or this, you know, why would I do email marketing? MailChimp already exists. And why would I do design? Like 99designs already exists. And you're going to hear this kind of thing. Well, that's good news. It's good news that people are exchanging value on the marketplace for the thing that you can do. That means there's a marketplace for it. 
first stop. That's the first step. The second thing you're going to hear is you're going to hear people that conflate being an entrepreneur with being an inventor. You know, they're going to sit there and say, okay, I believe you. I believe you about this independent income thing. I get this idea for uh, space pens. I get this idea for water saving jet skis. I went on a camping trip last weekend and my hot dogs didn't finish correctly. <laughs> right. I think if you developed it, and it's like, this is not entrepreneurship. That's being an inventor. And so let's just be clear. Okay, so here's the distinction there, Dan, is that idea of invention takes several years, right, to come to fruition. And I think like we've had a couple of these ideas, Dan, in our product design business. We've executed on them. They haven't worked out so well. What's worked out so well for us is taking ideas in an existing marketplace and innovating on them, right? So saying, these guys are successful doing XYZ business. How can we start a similar business and create more value for the marketplace, more value for the customer? So, and that's essentially what our Rip, Pivot, and Jam system is built on. You're definitely gonna wanna check out that episode if this idea resonates with you. And it's all about hanging out and immersing yourself in the world of people that you'd like to emulate. And this is critical. Because, you know, sometimes I'll talk to people, I'll say like, well, who do you want to be like, you know? Okay, you want to be a location-independent entrepreneur? Who out there do you admire? What kind of businesses are you looking at? And if people are just drawing a blank, I'm kind of thinking to myself, well, maybe you're not really that interested. Maybe you're not that interested in the process. Maybe you're just like most of the people who fail and say, yeah, yeah, I want to travel anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I want to make a lot of money. But it's not going to happen for you if you can't look to people like, you know, for me, I admire people like Derek Sivers and Rob Walling. And I could just list, you know, forever. These are people that I look to. I immerse myself in what they're doing. And I ask myself, how can I take elements of what they've done and improve upon it for my own marketplace or add my own personal twist to it? And that's essentially what we're talking about. So if you're a copywriter, Go out and look, hang out with the people that are making money writing copy and asking yourself, is there a way in which you could do it differently? Are they doing it for your local marketplace, for example? Or if they're making great money writing email newsletters, are they doing it on the, for the MailChimp platform, which is a platform that you know something about because of your last job, etc. So it's about immersing yourself and saying, you know, even if there's an established marketplace out there for things like email marketing or design, there's always something that you can do just to tweak it a little bit to find your niche. And when you talk about hanging out with people, Dan, I think this is a really important point. And this is something that you and I have done since a very early age, which is you have mentors. We believe in an overabundance mindset. And I think most of our mentors in the past, Dan, have had that kind of mindset too. So if you want to be a copywriter, identify the most famous or the most successful in your eyes copywriter and see if you can go hang out with them, like physically go hang out with them. Absolutely. Because anybody that's worth anything will share with you their technique because they're really committed. I believe most people that have an abundance mindset are committed to pushing ideas forward in that space. And so for them to be able to collaborate with another copywriter, that's just great for them. So identify these people, try and hang out with them, try and figure out what their life looks like, try and figure out if that's what you want your life to look like. Dan, you and I have done these experiments before, hung out with these people and come to find out six months later, it's like, well, yeah, I really don't want that for my life. Like, yes, I like this aspect of what they're doing. But for me to do what they're doing 100%, no, that's not what I want. So I'm just going to take a little piece of it and I'm going to pivot it into what I want. So the bottom line is try and get yourself around like-minded people that are doing things that you think you want to do in the future because it will be the fast track for you. You won't have to do it for two years. You get to see immediately what it looks like and then know if you're going to commit yourself to the next two years. 
All right, so step three, if you want to make your first 1K online, is to find your 10 true clients. And this is an important point for us because we want to flip around what's commonly said out there on the internet, which is, you know, put up a website and drive thousands of leads to it. And then, you know, people are going to funnel down through your offer and you're going to find, you know, you're going to sell them a $30 ebook and then you're going to sell 10% of the people that bought the $30 ebook on the $3,000 upsell. And this does not work nearly as well as flipping the whole model upside down and finding the 10 people out of the gate they're going to fund your business and developing that offer from day one. So instead of saying, I got to drive 10,000 people to my website in the hopes that 100 of them buy the $30 ebook and then 10 of them buy the whatever, the idea is to start with the offer. So 10 true clients would be like, say, 10 people that pay you $1,000 a quarter. So what's an offer that you could develop with your design services, with your copywriting skills, with your development services that you could go out and offer to people and say, hey, if you pay me X amount a quarter, X amount a month, I can do this for you right out of the gate. And here's the trick with this, Dan. I think back in the day, like what most people would have done was they would have put up some kind of page, right? And like you said, they would have tried to get 100,000 subscribers so they can have, you know, 10 people that actually buy their product. The trick is this. The trick is that you niche down as far as possible. So you offer a very discreet service. If I'm a designer, I only design web pages for dogs. There you go. <laughs> right? With dogs with diabetes, basically. I mean, niche down as far as you can possibly get here because that's how you're going to find your 10 true clients that are really dedicated to what you're working on. All right. So step number four is that you ought to be marketing from day one. So again, you're making your first 1K online. You should be spending no time in the product jig room. Your product jig room is on the phone and in real life with real people and with at most an offer, okay? And this comes back to what you were saying, Ian. It's about pigeonholing yourself. Is Are you a MailChimp user? Are you having difficulty setting up and managing your sales funnels on MailChimp? Well, I specialize in that and I start doing client work. I have clients start as, as low as $300 a month for certain packages and I have certain clients, I have certain options that are $3,000 a month or whatever, but I'd love to show you what I can do. And again, these kinds of conversations, these kinds of sales processes, people aren't just going to dump 500 bucks on your plate. You know, Ian, you know how hard it takes me to write a couple thousand dollar check? I just hired somebody for a $4,000 project and it was a project that we've been talking about for months. I mean, this person has been researching and going back and forth and talking to me on the phone. And that's how sales processes like this work. And I think that this is why it's very critical that you don't go out and develop the big subscriber base and the ebook and all this kind of stuff because you can go down the wrong road just as easily. Better to go down the wrong road when you're on the phone with somebody, when you're going back and forth with them via email and asking them immediately for a payment. You're going to know right away whether they value that or not. Yeah. And just to put this into perspective and what we were talking about here in the first point, Dan, which is like changing your mindset from earning money from a job to earning money from clients. You know, like you said, like you're going to get turned down nine times out of 10. So you got to approach a ton of people before you get that money. So something to think about is how many times you're approaching people, what your conversion rate is, 
all that good stuff because chances are you're going to get turned on a lot. Another thing I want to say, Dan, about pigeonholing yourself, 99% of people are doing this wrong. When I look at 99% of websites, they want to do everything for everybody. When I look at 99% of Twitter profiles, people are doing way too much. All right. Here's what I would do. If I was the designer that you brought up earlier, I would say I only work with clients that are on thesis that want to massively improve their conversion rate. I take your drabby stock thesis design and I turn it into a conversion machine. Wow. And my rate for doing that is only $3,500. Okay. You get them in the door, you get a few clients like that. You keep talking about that. You keep banging people on the phone. You do your first few for free, whatever you hustle, hustle, hustle. What are your objections? Why isn't it worth $3,500 to you? I've looked at your business. How many people on your mailing list? I mean, imagine if you just increase that by 10% a month, you'd pay for this in two months. You know, you hustle, hustle. And this is again, when we come back to point number one, it's like the necessity. These are tough conversations. You're not going to want to do this hustle. What people want to do is they want to go tinker around the internet. They want to check their stock portfolio. They want to write a blog. They want to check out their affiliate earnings and see if anything came through. Who wants to get on the phone with people and ask them why they're not buying? Who wants to work for free for an extra couple of weeks and take a risk on a client? You know, see if you can do some research to try to convince them to buy. You know, to be on that difficult phone call when they're on the edge of making a decision and trying to figure out a way to get them to the next level. Well, the people who are willing to do that are the people that are going to end up entrepreneurs. And that's why we're bringing it up. Who wants to be uncomfortable? (laughs) Who doesn't have AC in Texas right now? (laughs) Finally, the fifth point is, okay, guys, but I want to be on the fast track. You know, a lot of people, they don't go through the 10 true clients. They don't start with clients or services. They start with products. And that's something that we did. And there is a way to skip these things. You don't have to start out as a service provider. If you got some money in the bank, you can replace your time. Because what ends up happening, you see this all the time, is that people, they start broke, the minimal skill set, they move into services. They turn their service into a productized service. You know, it gets really focused. It becomes something like, it's not just a design service, but it becomes a thing where like they go to your website and fill out a survey and boom, you like pump them out the design within 48 hours. Like that's like a productized service. And then that productized service gets some steam and it turns into a product which is something that they pay 30 bucks a month for. And it's like, and people actually do, they make this progression. And then of course you meet somebody through that product, you sell out of it and you get into you know, another business. That's how this stuff works. So you gradually work your way up and you improve the level of income you're receiving, right? Because initially you were having job income and that really sucked. But then you got apprentice income and that was more interesting because you were learning things as you were going along. And then you got consulting income and that's even more interesting because you got the flexibility to sub out that work to other people. You don't actually have to spend all your time delivering that stuff. It goes up the product. You see where I'm going with this. If you have money, you can skip some of these steps. You don't have to go back and grind it out with 10 true clients. You can skip some of the steps, Dan, but I would be cautious, right? Because you don't only have to have money. You also have to have expertise and knowledge about the market, right? So a lot of times, CCATs skipping this services part of it, going straight to the product, but they don't have the expertise that's required. They might have the money, but they don't have the expertise. So I think if you're going to do it, you got to make sure that you understand the market and how it works first. One of the biggest myths in entrepreneurship is I think is having money to make money. 
You know, money can facilitate you skipping steps and you can do things with money, but it's not easy to make money with money, right? It's a completely different skill set if we're being honest about it. Absolutely. But what money can do is buy you product development time. It can buy you inventory, right? It can buy you a staff to build the product that you envision. But you're right. If you don't have that expertise, if you don't know that your first product is going to go, let's just tell our story. You know, for example, our first product was a valet podium. And if you recall... I actually flew to a conference and with a spec sheet, a price list, and a brochure of our first valet podium, and I pre-sold it at the conference. So I knew before we made our investment in that product inventory, and we also, by the way, had a landing page that we were sending a small amount of PPC traffic to. But the backstory of this, so I flew to a conference, that cost money. We made a prototype, that cost money. We ran a PPC campaign, that cost money. And if we were right about all this stuff, we had to buy a big inventory that cost us tens of thousands of dollars, that costs money. So we didn't really skip these steps. We just fast-tracked the whole thing, right? So we still went through who were your first clients, getting in real life feedback, hanging out with them, no good ideas required. There was already valet podiums on the market. We just knew that we could do it better than what the other people were doing because we didn't have the same limitations. We already believed that we were willing to you know, spend years making wealth off of valet podiums rather than making immediate wealth off of our jobs. We were marketing from day one with the landing page and everything. So again, even though we fast-tracked, we still followed this process And that allowed us to not expose ourselves to the tremendous risk that people end up doing like, hey, you know, I got $50,000 from my in-laws, heaven forbid, and I'm going to go start this software project. See in three years. I'm going to be locked away working on it in three years. (laughs) By the way, Dan, you know what the most memorable part of our beginning story that you just told there was for me? No, no. What's that? The fact that we were partying so hard the night before that you you almost missed your flight. Remember that part? (laughs) It was almost two plane tickets. We were so pumped about it. So yeah, it's not all, it's green tea and laptops. Sometimes you got to blow off a little steam, boss man. I know mean, that, <laughs> that was an intense period. <laughs> so look, you know, when I look back over the people that have made it work, made this location independent thing work, it is the people that have invested the most. They've worked the hardest. They've built the skill set. And I think that that's, you know, a pretty critical element of this. We're going to link to a lot of people who've started from scratch with this particular process and that we've highlighted on the show in the past. So you can go listen to our interviews with these people. So again, like this whole episode is the broad overview. And for each point, we have episodes out of those 260, we're going to link to in each single point. So if you like this idea of 10 true clients, and you're wondering what it means. If you're wondering what marketing from day one means, if you're wondering about what skipping and fast tracking is all about, we'll have a link to every single one plus case studies about all this stuff. So boss man, that was our first in a series of five. This one's located at tropicalmba.com slash 1K online. I don't think we're as elegant as Seth Godin. I still think people should go to Seth Godin startup school. <laughs> Hopefully by the fifth episode, we'll get a little bit better at it. But yeah, those are the broad strokes. Yeah, next we're going to talk about building a scalable business instead of a job. So a lot of people, they get the clients and they find a very difficult time getting from that first initial, okay, I'm making money from anywhere in the world. Now, how do I turn this into an engine, into an asset that runs itself on its own? We'll jump into that next Thursday morning. Again, the show notes for this one are at tropicalmba.com slash 1K online.
By the way, Dan, I just want to say one other thing about that story that you told and us uh, getting a little boozy before that trip. That booze experience was made possible through your corporate job. Remember? In in the experiences that you had there, you bought that wine rack and you had that BevMo uh, <laughs> membership. So, I mean, really, we were riding on the coattails of your corporate job. So, I appreciate that. You see, entrepreneurship, it can be built off a job. Anytime, boss, man. You know, I love this piece of advice that Jason Calacanis gave out. This guy who ended up founding an incredibly successful startup called into his show and he was like, hey, should I quit my job? And Jason wasn't like, how much money are they uh, giving you? He never said anything about what are the benefits. You know, he never said anything about what's the timeline to get to the corner office. What he said is, are you learning anything? And when the guy said, you know what, I think I've learned all there is to learn here, he said, go get another job. Because going from 45K a year to 65K a year, or from 65K a year to 100K a year, or getting travel expenses and 401K, it's really small ball, right? Because we're talking about the long-term path to real wealth. The difference between 65 and 75 and health benefits, that's not the game that we're playing in here. So we're gonna continue talking about how that can play out for you in your life and business next week on the show. Skip the 26-foot boat, man. Go with the 46. Straight to the top. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.